after experiencing Istanbul for eight years, I got a little bit sick of the crowd. I was always fascinated with the Netherlands. We have a canal here beside our building and the ducks are walking around. Many species of birds are flying around. That's really peaceful. It's like giving you the vibe of a village. At the same time, you are living one of the uh, best capitals in the world. The voice you just heard was Kerem. He's our colleague and one of our guests for episode two. And as you might have guessed already, we'll be talking about moving to the Netherlands specifically for work. Welcome to It Works on My Machine. I'm your host, Marian, and I'm joined by my co-host, Travis, and five of our colleagues to discuss why they decided to move to the Netherlands and how working in this new country turned out to be. That's what we have planned for part one, but that's not all. In part two, we will dive into the less glamorous side of moving, dealing with the administrative side of the move. May it be finding an apartment or arranging health insurance, for example. Once that's behind us, it will be time to get to know your new home a bit better. In part three, we will discuss Dutch culture, food, and dealing with the infamous rain. You can find all the resources we mention in the podcast, as well as the transcripts, on our website, www.spritecloud.com slash podcast. That is www.spritecloud.com slash podcast. And if you don't want to miss any future episodes, follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. In the introduction to this episode, you already heard Kerem, one of our other guests, introducing himself. He'll be sharing his experiences as someone who's been in Amsterdam for a couple of months only. He's been working for more than six years in the software industry, mostly in testing and testing automation. He visited Amsterdam during his holidays and fell in love with the city. When he decided to leave Istanbul for a quieter alternative, Amsterdam quickly became his first choice. Julie is one of our colleagues that's been living in the Netherlands for the longest, more than 10 plus years. She moved here with the husband only a few months after they got married, and now she lives in Leiden with her family and has made the Netherlands her home. Before moving in December 2021, Umut had never left Turkey, his home country. He did not decide to start his journey alone though, Fezar, his partner, was also part of the adventure. She had been abroad before, but only for shorter periods. They both work in QA and had already worked in the same company in Istanbul. They decided to do it again, but in a different country this time. Our guest Famsi moved to the Netherlands right after he completed his studies in 2012. This was a big move considering it was the first time he traveled outside of India. Fortunately, he was able to rely on his cousin who was already living in the country for help. Thanks for joining us for the second episode of It Works On My Machine, everyone. Julia and Vamsi, you've been living in the Netherlands the longest. Can we start by hearing why you decided to move here? Hi, it is a funny story. I'm from Ukraine and I was planning to stay in Ukraine or move to the UK. But my husband, when we were married for about three months, got an invitation to move to the Netherlands. He was basically the moving force that landed me here. We thought that if we're going to move, then we're going to move to the UK because we both spoke pretty decent English by the time. And we were hoping to participate in the young professionals scheme. And we decided, okay, it's a step closer to the UK and we're going to make our first move towards. We moved here and we're not going anywhere. We really love it here. I'm Wamsi. I moved to Netherlands in November 2012. 
the reason for moving is at that time I was I came fresh out of my post graduation and then I was looking for a job. So then I got a uh, offer from Netherlands from Abina for MDocs, working for Abina Road client. At that time I was doing some courses around mainframe and then I got the opportunity uh, to work in Netherlands. Basically I did an intake which was referred by my cousin and then I came to Netherlands. When I initially came, I was uh, really excited, mostly because I'm coming out of India for the first time. Uh, on top of it, when it came, it was really snowy because uh, year of 2012, November, December, February, there was a lot of snow during that year and uh, I never saw snow. Uh, so I was really excited to see the whole thing. Well, Julia and Vamsi have been here for many years. Faiza, Umut and Kerem, you just arrived. You've been here since a couple of months only. What has convinced you to make the move to the Netherlands? It's a, it's a funny story, actually. We've been living in uh, Istanbul for a few years back then, and we decided to move to my hometown, Kash. And just a couple of weeks after we actually moved to Kash, someone from Brightcloud contacted me for a job opportunity. And uh, at first, I because I always, as a hobby, accept job opportunities to see the challenge to, to see the case study so i accepted the challenge and we wanted to see what it, it was all about and then i thought well if we were to go actually maybe Faiza would like to work and we had this discussion and he was like well, i'd love to work uh, there and because we actually previously worked in the, in the same company before that that got, a, got us a little excited and i came up with the idea and presented to drive cloud and really they liked the idea and they thought why not and as i was assessed and after she was also accepted we seriously considered whether we want to move and we, we were like, why not? Let's give it a shot. It, uh, it's an adventure. And so far we're really, I think, happy about the decisions we made. Thanks, Umut. How was it for you, Kerem? What brought me here to the Netherlands is, first of all, I was all mostly, yeah, always fascinated with the Netherlands, its culture and every kind of Every, yeah, mostly it's people and the freedom. And two years ago, I have visit, visited Netherlands in uh, Amsterdam and I stayed with one of my colleagues here from Turkey and I liked it even more than I imagined. At that time, I haven't decided to move here because all, all Europe was in my objective. But then after all, in the seek of a job in Europe, my same colleague told me that never, never mind other countries if you have the chance to come to the Netherlands. So then I, yeah, I mostly, I totally focused on the Netherlands and just about one month later, I believe I, I have been offered by SpyClot that I'm here. And how is Amsterdam compared to the cities you lived in before? I came to Amsterdam and I visited London at the same time from Kuwait. I was working in Kuwait at the time when I first visited Amsterdam. So I think after experiencing Istanbul for eight years and all of that crowd, I think I got a little bit sick of the crowd. 
I can imagine that Amsterdam felt small and quiet with its roughly 800,000 inhabitants compared to 15 million for Istanbul and 9 million for London. Yeah, London was also very crowded. Life was going so fast. You can't even understand that you're living. I believe it was four days, but it was a hectic experience for me going all around London. And the environment here is way better than other cities in Europe. I believe we have a canal here beside our building and the ducks are walking around. Many species of birds are flying around. That's really peaceful. It's like giving you the vibe of a village. At the same time, you are living one of the best capitals in the world. That's a glowing endorsement for Amsterdam. Let's move on to our next topic working in the Netherlands and more specifically in QA. Famsi, Kerem, Feza and Umut, you were sponsored by an employer and moved with a job waiting for you in your new home country. Julia, when you moved to the Netherlands, your husband had a job offer. But what about you? How was it finding a job as a non-EU citizen? He was already settled with that job. He he was invited actually as a Kennismigrant, so I had a chance to find work because uh, normally if you just move without a contract you are not allowed to work and then it brings some difficulties but i had the chance so i started looking for work and at that time 13 years ago it was quite difficult because although everyone spoke english everyone was quite keen on having an employee who actually spoke dutch and having just arrived without any knowledge of Dutch, it was really difficult. So I had a very long way of learning Dutch and finding the job for three years. And in order to learn Dutch, I actually subscribed and followed the course in graphic design in Konings Akademische School for graphic design. So <laughs> a little bit different than programming, which I studied in the university. But that helped me to at least be immersed into the language environment and forced me to learn as much words as possible. And somewhat surprisingly, I found this testing opportunity, which did not require Dutch language, which I still did not speak properly by that time. And it was an English speaking company fully. Everything is in um, English. And their headquarters is in New Jersey. So that was a perfect combination of testing and regulatory testing. Well done. You proved to be very patient and perseverant. You mentioned that your husband moved to the Netherlands as a kennismigrant. For all the listeners who might not be familiar with the term in Dutch, that means a highly skilled migrant. Let's get into what work you do for SpyCloud, if you don't mind. Could you tell us if there are things that you particularly like or find challenging working in QA in the Netherlands? Okay, sure. I'm a technical tester at Sprite Cloud. I combine both manual and automation work. And uh, I really work in Sprite Cloud because I um, like that I can stay at one place. I'm a rooted person normally. and. Uh, if I start working at one place, it's not easily that I'm going to jump from one work to another. And yet I like diversity. So working at Sprite Cloud actually gives the diversity while staying at one place. 
and it is flexible with hours, hours working, hours of working from home and hours working from the office, which at this point is also become, became uh, hours working from home, but I don't really mind that. So at the moment, what is challenging is actually that uh, I am alone on the project and it would be nice to have someone to discuss things, but luckily the line managers are always there to help and hear out the concerns or um, just to chat a little bit about the, how things go. And in general, sometimes the projects can become overwhelming and the clients can seem to push for less people on the project than to more people and then every testing activity that is going to happen, it's going to land on my plate and we need to deal with that, giving them rather long timelines. <laughs> okay. Well, obviously it's always going to be a challenge given clients and whatnot, they're trying to maximize your cost with their benefits. Maybe we can hear from Vamsi as well, since you've been working at Sprite Cloud since seven years and in the Netherlands since almost 10 years. Are there things that you found challenging working in QA here? Everything I worked was like really smooth, unless uh, if you are new to your project, because we work on different clients and different projects. So, which means like whenever you switch a client, you need to sometimes you need to set up the whole QA process or set up automation for that client. There are some challenging situations like this, but what are the projects that I work till now? Most of the clients are morely cooperative, so they'll give you information that is needed. They'll give you help that is needed from other colleagues. From that perspective, I didn't see any challenges. So of course there'll be challenges, no? but then there is always a solution for the challenge because everyone is willing to help you. That's very nice to hear. So we talked about what it's like to work at Sprite Cloud, but let's take a step back and look at the work culture in the Netherlands in general. Julia, you've worked both here in the Netherlands and in Ukraine. What would you say about your experiences of work culture in the Netherlands so far? It is very structured and it doesn't really require you to stay overwork. While in Ukraine, you would constantly be working more hours than you're supposed to, because this is what ex is expected of you and you don't get paid for that. So it wasn't really a very he healthy balance between work and home. That's also something I can say if I compare Swiss versus Dutch work culture. It's definitely a better work-life balance in the Netherlands. Yeah, I can agree. It's very nice and structured and you work for what you get paid for, of course, with some exceptions, but exception does usually confirm the rule. Yeah. I think um, if you look around. At some statistics around work in the Netherlands, they typically have one of the highest, if not the highest work-life balances. So I think I remember reading not too long ago that typically people work about 36 hours in the Netherlands. So that's obviously less than 40 and not 50, which is great. I actually have some interesting statistics on that and they come from the OECD and their Better Life Index. In the Netherlands, 0.3% of employees work 50 hours or more per week that is considered very long hours. This is the lowest rate in the OECD where the average is 10%. 
And one interesting thing to note is that with nearly 25%, Turkey is one of the countries with the highest proportion of people working very long hours. So with its 0.3% and also the lowest average in the OECD, the Netherlands has a very good performance in regards to not working long hours. And also apart from that, I would say in Netherlands, we have flexibility. And at the same time, employers trust you. It doesn't mean that when you have issue, you can just relax, but it's more that you have your own space to complete your work. No one will be pressuring you. So you just, you need to manage your own work to make sure it is completed. Yeah. I think to some extent it has to do with the individual companies and the managers that are your direct managers, but also I think also in terms of the culture of working in that country anyways. So. I think I've worked in companies here in the Netherlands where they were more micromanaging and more, you got to make sure you're there for nine hours regardless and stuff like that. And on the other side, Sprite Cloud, where it's more like, Hey, you get your work done, then do it. And if you need to take a break for 30 minutes or whatever, it's up to you. But as long as you get your work done, we trust you. So I think that's nice, but I think there is also a bit of an extent, just the culture of the Netherlands around work as well there. I would also say, uh, people here are much more straightforward and I think there, there are these, how do you say it, uh, discrete, even cultural differences maybe in how people talk and that's something actually we're still getting used to because, uh, although I, I've been utilizing the English language for over 14 years now, because I've never left Turkey, I, I didn't get the chance to use it, uh, professionally with people who are well, completely different than Turkish people. I did use it, of course, in professional life, but, um, moving to a new country and using it as your main language is a whole the whole new experience. And this actually causes this, uh, interesting situation where sometimes people say stuff and you, you're perception of that sentence is different than theirs. And this, this would cause communication issues if you didn't know about it. So, uh, that's something to um, take a note of. And I, I find it helpful to communicate with pe people to prevent uh, miscommunication as much as possible by maybe bringing in some more context on what we're talking about and conversations and yeah, that's an interesting difference I've noticed. That's a very good point because you also have a lot of non-native English speakers in the Netherlands and at of our office. I, I can imagine the potential for miscommunication being quite high in some cases. Yes, especially uh, while we're working remotely, we can't really see each other's expressions, facial expressions, and that's context-related details. And when the, that context is missing, sometimes some sentences come through as um, something other than what they, are, they were intended to be. So that's something uh, I think good to consider for us people who come to work in Netherlands, for instance, but also for people at the, who already are in Netherlands and well, communicating with uh, newcomers like us, because I think it's a really important detail, the, the communication and how sentences go through. Absolutely. If we zoom in a bit, is there something that you find particularly striking working in QA in the Netherlands compared to Turkey, for example? 
the main difference I've noticed is the variety of adopted frameworks and programming languages. This is maybe specific to working as a, as an automation engineer rather than a QA. I noticed that there's a, a trend of using Ruby and JavaScript and for instance, in Turkey, 90% of the implementations are written in Java. This is the, I guess, the biggest difference I've noticed and the variety of frameworks, like they use, um, Cypress here, G, Jest, and different, different kinds of frameworks. Yeah. And that was, that was interesting for me. And I found this opportunity to broaden my knowledge because of the variety. And I really enjoyed that. Were you only working with Java before that? For me, yes, but Umut, you know, also uh, JavaScript and other languages. So it wasn't too challenging for you, I believe. Yeah. Before I, iOS applications with Swift and worked with Python on actual neural networks and did some front-end development in JavaScript. So I even know a little bit of uh, Fortran. I've written a chess game in Fortran in university. Fortran being the first programming language used by NASA back in the day. So it's a very old language. For some reason, universities still teach it. And so for that reason, I believe it wasn't that difficult. I, I picked them up pretty quickly also because I really enjoyed doing that and learning new stuff. Yeah. It was a great opportunity for us to uh, improve ourselves actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's a very positive thing for us. Yeah, that's great to hear. So it was also one of the things that you were looking forward to when you decided to move or was it more a surprise upon arrival? It was a surprise for me. Did you notice anything else working in QA in the Netherlands, Faisa? I think here at Sprite Club, people are very communicative. So I found that, for example, there is a task and we always discuss that task with related people. In Turkey, we didn't do that much, you know? And I found that it increases your quality of work and it improves your end product actually. Yeah. This is my observation about people uh, at Sprite Cloud actually. Very fine observations. It's very interesting. Let's round off this part of the episode with one last topic, maternity and paternity leave. When you decide to move to a new country that might be your home for many years. If you're considering having kids, this could be interesting for you. Julia and Travis, you both have had children in the Netherlands. Let's maybe start with Julia. How was your maternity leave here? It is very disappointingly short, but I know it's the same in America. It's very short and rather disappointing. It's still, <laughs> yeah, but you've got still 10 weeks or something like that. The pregnancy leave is four to six weeks, depending on the desire of the uh, mother or uh, on medical um, advice. And then the maternity leave is uh, 10 to 12 weeks, again, based on the previous numbers. Those are luckily paid. So you've got 16 weeks uh, in total for paid leave after giving birth and before. And after that, it's unpaid. And it is calculated based on the numbers um, of hours you work per week 
and until the child is eight years old. Now it doesn't have any benefits in terms of the taxes, but it used to have. And the only benefit it has now that the employer cannot deny the parental leave, but he may um, argue the hours or the schedule taken. That's the only uh, benefit. Now from August 2022, this uh, parental leave will become partially paid, precisely 50% paid for the first nine weeks of the parental leave until the baby is one year old, which is also something if you have spent more time with the kid and get back on track, not in three months or less, but a little bit longer. So that's also nice addition from the government. What is also interesting with the leaves, until the baby is nine months old, the mother can take uh, up to two hours per day or 20% of the time for feeding the baby or providing some care to the baby. So it also is beneficial. And sometimes it can be arranged that you can just leave the work earlier and then just go directly to the baby and uh, take care of it. So it's also quite nice. But nine months is uh, also not a very big child age. I wish it was a little bit longer, but yeah. How is it in Ukraine? We've got three years of uh, paid leave, but this is also one of the things that uh, makes uh, women in Ukraine very vulnerable because no one wants um, to pay for three years and it's not uh, governmentally covered, the company itself pays. Women in Ukraine just don't get um, a chance to work sometimes because they get uh, directly fired or something like that. Here, at least you've got some guarantees. Okay, it is small, it is short, but at least you get to hold your working position and you get paid for bringing the new person to this world. Yes, indeed. Travis, you also recently had a child. How did it go with your paternity leave? Yeah, pretty good. We had a baby girl who is now about six months old at the time of recording this episode. So in the Netherlands, partners are entitled to six weeks of leave. This consists of the normal partner leave and also it's called uh, an extended partner leave. So the normal partner leave is one week of paid leave and it's paid at 100% of the employee salary. And the second part is called the extended partner leave and that is five weeks. So technically this is considered unpaid, but it is paid by the government at 70% of the employee's salary. In our particular situation, we knew that we were going to be uh, getting a lot of extra costs with having a child. Much of that was around feeding and clothing the child, but also daycare is a pretty big expense, which we'll talk about a little bit later. I basically chose to take that one week of 100% paid leave off and combine it with some of my vacation time. Obviously, 70% of paid salary is pretty nice, but losing 30% of your income for an extended period of time is not so handy for a lot of people. So in this case, the Netherlands, there is a fair amount of holiday time you get. So I was able to take four weeks, still get paid 100%, and still have that quality time with the newborn baby and my girlfriend. So as I mentioned, daycare in the Netherlands can be quite expensive, but the Dutch government does actually subsidize a portion of it. And that subsidy depends on the amount of your income. So the less you earn, the more subsidy you get uh, and vice versa. 
My girlfriend and I wanted to find a balance between managing our income and the extra costs that we now had. So we actually only send our kid to daycare two days a week. One day our child is at our grandparents, and the other two days she's at daycare. And another two days my girlfriend and I take turns watching her. So basically on Thursday and Friday, respectively. My girlfriend actually reduced her hours from 40 hours a week to 32 hours a week. And I continue to work 40 hours a week, but I do that in four days so that I can have Friday free to look after the baby. So thanks, fortunately, to Sprite Cloud for being very flexible and offering me the ability to do this. But the reason for that is we pay 890 euros a month for two days of daycare per week. We get 530 euros per month from the Dutch government. In the end, we actually end up paying 360 euros per month out of pocket for daycare. Obviously, extra cost of having a child, my girlfriend working less, and obviously the extra cost of daycare. You know, you have to bring that into your calculations when you're figuring out how best to handle not only maternity leave and paternity leave, but also the caring of your child for the rest of their life, basically. Thank you for sharing your experiences, Julia and Travis. And thank you to all our other guests who joined us today, Umut, Faiza, Famsi, and Kerem. It was nice having you on the show. We have reached the end of part one. In the next part, we will be talking about the less glamorous side of moving to the Netherlands, finding an apartment, arranging healthcare, and other administrative challenges. If you don't want to miss part two or any of our episodes, follow It Works On My Machine wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you. Until next time.